This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Years ago, Angie and I made one of the most important decisions of our lives. It's something we had been talking about and processing and thinking through and having many, many conversations about. Maybe in your marriage you have those things you talk about over and over again and you're trying to make a decision. And so we were in that process and finally we made this decision. It would be significant. It would be life-changing. It would determine how we would spend some of our time. It would determine what we would enjoy. It would impact our lives in a profound way. And here was the decision. We made the decision. In reality, she allowed me to buy a motorcycle. I love motorcycles. And, and the, one, the one caveat, the one requirement was, okay, I'm cool with you doing this as long as you take that, that safety class. And so I did. I thought it would be a waste of time, but I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do that. That's going to make you happy. I'll do it. And so th- this was years ago, over 10 years ago. I went to the Harley dealership right off of I-4 here in Orlando, and it was three or four days. I don't remember exactly. I took this class. And in that class, one of the things I learned, there were several things, but one of the things I learned is that accidents happen the most frequently in intersections. See, Angie was right because she's smart. She's wise. She knew that class would be the best thing to do because in part, she's a mom. So moms, by the way, happy Mother's Day. I know this Mother's Day looks a little different than we thought it might, but you are just as honored, just as loved. We are just as grateful for you. So happy Mother's Day to moms and happy Mother's Day uh, to my bride, Angie. She was right. The class would show me some things and teach me some things that I did not know and was not aware of. And I, I had no idea how much more frequently accidents happen in intersections. But it it makes sense because intersections are so busy and there's so many people going in so many different directions. It it makes sense. And it's a lot like life because different things are happening at a different pace. People are going in different directions and we have to be aware of the intersections. There are other things that I learned in this class. And one of the things you have to do in dangerous places like intersections is sometimes do the opposite of what you think you should do. For example, if you're on a motorcycle going into an intersection and you want to turn left, then you push on the handlebar. You, you don't, it's not like a steering wheel that you just turn. You don't just turn the handlebars. You actually push on the handlebar and the bike will turn left. And it feels like the opposite of what you should do. On a horse, you pull. But on a bike, you push. Sometimes you have to do the opposite of what seems natural when you're in a place that has a, a, a large capacity and a high opportunity for accidents. Another thing about turning on a motorcycle that I learned is you have to focus. Your eyes and your head have to look at where you're going to be and want to be at the end of the turn. You don't focus on what's happening moment by moment through the turn. You're aware of it from your peripheral vision. You're aware if there's a pothole, if there's gravel. You're aware, but your focus is on where you want to be. And the same thing is so true in our lives and in our relationships and our, in our marriages. We have this idea of where we'd like to be, where we want to get. But sometimes, instead of focusing on that, we tend to focus on where we are and the potholes and the gravel, so much so that we can't even see where we want to be. Intersections are dangerous. And the same thing is true in life. In an intersection, you and I will make 
hundreds of choices in life. Just like if we're driving in an intersection, do I use the blinker? Yes, you do. Am I turning left? Am I turning right? Am I pumping the brakes? Am I hitting the accelerator? How fast? How slow? All the decisions have to be made in the intersection. And so there's this verse we're coming to as, as we're in this series, Making the Most Of. And we're talking this morning again about making the most of marriage. We talked about marriage last week and how updates are available. We need to download and install the updates. This morning, I'm going to give you another principle that can be life-changing, life-giving in our marriages. If you're not married, this principle also works in all of the relationships that are meaningful to you. And so this is something that will enhance and help your life and mine. If you're married, your marriage and mine. If you're with your friendships, your friends, your relationships and mine. But there's sort of an anchor verse for this series. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. And these are desperate times not only in our world right now. As we've been navigating the coronavirus and, and now things are starting to open up again. Often they're desperate times in our marriage. They're desperate times in our parenting. They're, they're desperate times financially. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. And so the principle I want to give you today that, that can enhance your marriage, and the more you practice it, that this principle will help you go further faster, is simply this. It's all about how you turn. It's all about how you turn in the intersections of the relationship and in the intersections of life. Because if you think about it, every time you turn towards something, you're turning away from something. If you turn to hanging out with this group of friends on Saturday night, you're turning away from every other option. If you turn to saying I do to this one person, you're turning away from every other option of someone you would spend the rest of your life with. Every time you turn towards something, you're turning away from something. And the the power of turning is this. You get to choose which way you turn. See, I think our God loves us so much and knows us so well that, that he knows turning would be challenging for us and how we turn and to what we turn in the process of turning that 647 times in Scripture. The Word of God brings up turning or or, or turn to turn because it's in those moments that accidents can happen in the intersections when we turn. If you go all the way back to the first, what we call book in the Bible, the book of of Genesis, there's this passage that tells a story of, of a guy named Lot who's in a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. And this city was so perverse, so messed up, so broken. Now, Before we pass judgment, I think it's important to understand we're all messed up and we're all broken. There was something unique about this city that God decides he's going to wipe it out. He can't stand it anymore. And so Lot and his family are told, hey, you need to flee. You need to get out of here. Genesis chapter 19, verse 17, Scripture says, flee for your lives. And notice these words, don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Don't look back back. Don't turn back. Verse 23, by the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation and the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. 
Now, we don't know if she looked back out of longing and already missing what was. We, we don't know if she looked back out of curiosity. But for whatever reason, even though the instructions from God were very clear, hey, don't turn back, she made the decision to turn. And what you turn to automatically sets the stage for what you're turning from. See, we can't fully experience what can be if we're continually living in what used to be. In your marriage or with your friendships or in your parenting, you you can't fully experience what can be if you're constantly and continually living in what used to be and bringing up what used to be and diving into the mistakes of the past. Now, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that in a marriage, if there's some things that you've had to navigate that have been painful, if, if there have been some issues that have come up that are challenging to process, it doesn't mean you just act like it never happened. No, you, you get help. And by the way, if you're in a place in your marriage that you would say, man, we, we need some help. We need to talk to somebody. Shoot us an email, hello at c3church.cc, and we can put you in touch with some amazing counselors that can help you walk through a process. So it's not that, it's not that you ignore it. It's just that hey, I'm going to choose to focus on what can be. I'm not going to live in the past because you never live in the future and you never move to the future if you continually live in the past. We can't fully experience what can be if we're continually living in what used to be. And the focus of my mind always determines the direction of my life. See, what I look to, just like on a motorcycle going through the intersection, what I look to is what I turn to. And where my eyes and my mind are focused and the, head, the direction that my head is pointed, that's where that bike is going to go. So I'm aware that there are obstacles. I'm aware that there are things I'm navigating right now, but I'm laser focused on where I want to be because what I look to is what I turn to. 647 times. Think about it. Think about it. How we turn, the turns we make in life, 647 times in Scripture, the idea of turning. Not only in the Old Testament, first book of the Bible, you can jump to the New Testament, Luke chapter 23, Jesus is hanging on a cross. And there's a thief, a criminal on each side of him. And one of them turns to the crowd. And by doing that, he's turning away from Jesus. And the other one turns to Jesus. And by doing that, he's turning away from the crowd. Luke chapter 23, we read these words. But the other criminal rebuked him. The the one criminal joins the crowd in mocking Jesus, making fun of Jesus, discounting Jesus. He turns to the crowd and away from Jesus. But the one on this side, the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. Turning to Jesus. He's putting his trust in Jesus, his focus on Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Old Testament, New Testament, because our God knows that simply turning changes the future. Who you turn to, who I turn to, and and how we turn, the direction we point our lives, the direction we turn in our marriage, the direction we turn in our friendships changes. It actually shapes the future. And you and I have multiple opportunities every day to turn toward our spouse or turn away from our spouse. 
There are hundreds of choices we'll make in a day, in conversation, in our thoughts, as we process decisions where we're turning toward our spouse or we're turning away from our spouse. And one of the things that I'm discovering after all these years in marriage and, and getting a front row seat to the marriage of, marriages of a whole lot of people as a pastor and having those confidential conversations where people come and talk about where they are, one of the things I'm learning is it's the little moments where we make the choices to turn to or turn away from that create the momentum in our relationship. It's the little choices, the little moments where we make the choice to turn to or to turn away from that create momentum in our relationships. This is where you build and gain some positive, healthy momentum if you develop a pattern of turning to your spouse or you can create the obstacles that are created by the negativity of processing over and over again. He, she keeps turning, she keeps turning away from me. It all began. Your marriage, if you're married, it all began with a deliberate decision to turn to one person and as a result, turn from every other option. It all began with turning. But the turning doesn't stop in the moment that you and I get married. Over and over again, we'll have the opportunity. So in your marriage, in your life, do you find yourself on a regular basis turning to or turning away from? What is the pattern in your marriage? Is it one of turning to or turning away from? And if, if someone had a conversation with your spouse, what would your spouse say? Did they say, I, I, feel like, I feel like she turns to me more often than not. I feel like he turns to me more often than not. Because how you turn to or from will create the most significant positive or negative momentum in your relationship. It creates a dynamic that sets the tone and the atmosphere for the relationship. He's had this day on the calendar for a few months now. He's known that this day would be so significant in his life. There are going to be a handful of meetings on this day that he knew was coming, and it's going to go really well, or it's going to be really bad. So in the morning as he's getting ready to leave the house, he his stress level is pretty high. He's been living with the tension, but it's not new. Everybody in the family knows, and the kids who don't know all the details even know dad's been overly stressed lately. There, there's a lot of tension, and he, he's not fully there because as this date got closer and closer on the calendar, he's constantly processing the weight of what's going to happen on this day. He grabs his keys off the counter. He's about to head out the same door he goes out every single morning, but this day is different. And right before he goes to the door, she walks into the kitchen. And she says, hey, I, I had a really rough night. I had a nightmare and I just couldn't shake it. Kept me up all night worrying about this and processing this and wondering what does this mean. And, and it was a hard night. She is turning to him. And she's made some statements. But often statements are really questions. She's told him she had a nightmare. She didn't sleep well. It was a rough night. But in those statements, 
there are these questions tucked deep inside. They're deep inside, but they're very easy. They're on the surface where you can see them as well. She's actually saying, do you still notice me? Do I still matter to you? I know you've got a big day and it's important, but am I, am I more important? Will you pay attention to me when you're under a lot of stress and you're not sure how things are going to work out? Do my needs, my concerns, do they rise to the top? And it's not because she can't handle her night or her day. She herself runs an entire company and will soon get ready and go into her work day that will be busy. And she will have to process many decisions as she's thinking about her husband occasionally and praying for him and what he's dealing with on this day. It's not that she's not capable to handle everything she's going to face. It's that She's making a decision in that moment to turn to the one she promised forever to and to open up her world a little bit and and to let him know, hey, here's an area where I had a rough night. You've let us know about your rough day that's coming. We've talked about uh, late into the evening sometimes how the decisions might go and what it might mean for our family and how it might impact us. And so I've been there with you in those conversations. Will you be there with me in this one? And he has a choice. He can dismiss it as it's just a nightmare. It's not even real. Seriously, you're going to bring this up to me. You know the kind of day that I'm looking at and you're going to, you're going to say that. That's the last thing I'm going to hear before I walk out the door. He, he can do that and turn from her. Or he can seize the moment and understand the deeper implications of what's going on and say, I'm so sorry. I, I hate that that happened and that you weren't able to sleep well. You know, I've got a crazy day. We talked about it, and and I can't be late. But can you tell me a little bit about it? I want to talk more about it this evening when I get home. But can you tell me a little bit about it so I know know how to pray for you on the way to the office? Can you share with me briefly? He will make the decision in what seems like an insignificant interruption and inconvenience, maybe a frustration. He will make the decision in that moment turn away, or to turn to. And what you and I need to understand, if we want to have great marriages, if we want to have happy marriages and live happily forever, every turn reveals what we value most. Every turn reveals what we truly value, and every turn reveals in our marriages often what we take for granted. Over and over again in marriage, you and I will come to intersections of choices where we will turn one way or the other. It will happen multiple times a day. It will happen in moments where you're having a good day and you you feel good about the decisions you're making. It will also often be inconvenient. But you get to decide. And turning to your spouse, turning to creates a powerful weapon against misery and frustration and loneliness in marriage. And here's something else that that I think it's also important to understand. The quality and quantity of what happens sexually in a marriage will often be determined by how you turn emotionally. Now, let me say that again for the guys that just woke up on the couch because they heard that word sexually. Let me say the quality and quantity of what happens sexually in a marriage will often be determined by how you turn emotionally. Sir, if the only time you turn to her is at dark 30, right before you go to bed, and you hear the bathwater running, and you think, hmm, if that's the only time you turn, 
there's not quality and quantity. You've not been turning. No, the opportunity is to turn to her throughout the day because then you show her, I love you, not I want to use you. You matter, not you can be used. It matters throughout every opportunity in the day. When she calls at the office at that inconvenient time or he calls at the office as you're walking into that meeting, ma'am, in those inconvenient moments, you're on the way home and you're tired and your spouse shoot you the text, hey, could you stop by the store and pick up? You're going to turn to or you're going to turn away from. And if you go to the place of, they always do this. How come they can't go pick something up? How come it's always me? You're turning away from. And here's what happens. The, the thing we need to understand, there's so much power in this. Small turns daily are far more effective than big turns occasionally. You're going to turn at some point. It's going to happen. And often what happens is marriages get in trouble, and marriages get in trouble over time. It's never one main decision. It's a, it's a cumulative effect of a lot of decisions of turning away from each other over time. And then you're in trouble, and usually one spouse wants the marriage to work. And so now you're turning, but you're turning so much you're grabbing whatever you can to try to fix this thing that you, you're actually spinning and you get dizzy. Small turns daily are far more effective than big turns occasionally. Because when you turn continually day by day to your spouse, you're building a cushion of margin, emotional margin. Or if you're turning away from, you're building an emotional deficit. And you're going to need the emotional cushion and margin because none of us are perfect. And you're going to have some bad days and I'm going to have some bad days. And we're going to walk through some really challenging seasons where things are tense at home because they're unknown somewhere else in the career or with one of the kids or in some things you're processing, maybe with an older parent. You're going to have some things in life that come your way. And you're not going to be at your best in those seasons. And you're going to need that that cushion, that that emotional margin to tap into. And if it's already depleted, Because you spend more time turning away than turning to. You're in serious trouble. Paul's writing the letter to Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's been called the love chapter. We read these words about love. Scripture says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, if if my words are angelic, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. When you have a pattern in your life, in your marriage, of instead of turning to, turning away from, your words simply become noise in the relationship. The I'm sorry's don't really matter. I'll take care of it next time has no weight. Scripture says I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, can explain the unexplainable, can look into the future and talk about what's going to happen, and all knowledge, smartest person in the world, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. What does it mean? It means love looks for opportunities to turn toward being patient in a marriage. Love is kind. Love turns toward kindness. Love does not envy. It does not turn toward envy. It does not boast. It does not turn toward boasting. Love does not turn toward pride. Love does not dishonor others. It doesn't turn toward that. Love does not turn toward self-seeking. 
Love does not turn toward anger easily. Love doesn't turn toward keeping a record and a list of all the things that spouse has done wrong. Love does not turn toward delighting in evil, but love turns to rejoicing with truth. Love turns to always protecting. Love turns to always trusting. Love makes the deliberate deliberate decision. Even in the hopeless days, love turns to hoping. Love turns to persevering, being consistent. The the biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. So when you and I build into our lives, say we're going to continually turn toward believing the best. We're going to turn toward persevering a no matter what attitude, no matter what. Love never fails. Because love is turning away from yourself and turning to your spouse. So sir, ma'am, Which way do you turn? What is the default position in your life? Turning to your spouse or turning away from your spouse? It's been uh, 10 years. 10 years ago, I walked into the elementary school where our youngest was going at the time. At that time, we had a child that was in college, one in high school, one in middle school, and one in elementary school. And that day, in the busyness of life, our youngest had forgotten his lunch money. I don't think he forgot it. We forgot to give it to him. It was just a crazy day. And so I get a call from the school, and I need to take him lunch money. So I go up to the school, and I walk into the office, and I explain what's going on. And they told me to hold just a minute. They would call him to come down and get the lunch money. And it was 10 years ago. But I remember vividly what happened next. I'm standing in the reception area at this elementary school, and I'm not, I'm not trying to listen to the receptionist. I'm just in the same room, and nothing else is going on. And so the phone rings, and she answers, and I, I hear one side of a phone call that happened 10 years ago that I've never forgotten. I hear one side of a conversation of a mom telling the receptionist. I gathered from the conversation they knew each other, The mom telling the receptionist that she is on the way to school to pick up their daughter whose father had just passed away. And what I felt in that moment, I could be here under such different circumstances. I I came to bring lunch money to my son and another parent is coming to deliver the most painful, life-changing news that little girl would ever hear. Ten years ago. You know what that means? That means that little girl is graduating from high school this month. And I wonder, I wonder when she heard the news that day. I wonder if in her mind, How many times her father turned to her, the ways that he comforted her, the the stories that he would tell her, the places he took her, even though he was busy, just to spend time with her and turning to her. And now she's walking through something like every other senior in high school is walking through this year, something no one could have predicted, and it's unbelievably unfair and difficult and challenging. And so seniors, I want to speak to you for just a moment. You will decide in these difficult days what you turn to. 
And your parents are doing everything they can to turn to you because they love you. And I promise you, they feel the weight of how unfair this is. And they're trying to figure out what they can do to honor you and your accomplishments. But I want to encourage you to begin a pattern in your life even now. You're in a turn in life. You're finishing high school and you're moving into college or you're moving into the military. You're moving into a career. Or some of you, you may not even be sure yet, but you're, you're finishing one chapter and you're turning into another. You're in an intersection. And I want to encourage you to put your focus on where you want to be. Don't become so focused on the potholes and the gravel and how difficult it is now. Be aware of it because it's reality and it's true. But develop a pattern in your life of turning to what God has next for you and looking into that. And God is going to use this in a significant way in your life. He promises for those who love Jesus to take everything we walk through and use it for our good and for his glory when we love him and trust him. So the story's not over. And a little girl 10 years ago heard some really bad news and now she's walking through some really bad and unfair days. And I thought about that and I don't know her name, but I've prayed for her. And I've prayed that she would hold on to the memories of however dad turned to her when she was little. And that in these moments, she would choose to turn to what God has for her future. But it's easier said than done. How do we do that? And in a marriage, how do we we turn toward when so many things have happened? When there's a history there. How do we put ourselves in that vulnerable place of choosing to love again when that love has been broken or damaged in some way? I think it's something ultimately we can only do with the help of our God who loves us so much that he laid out exactly how to live this thing called life. The God whose idea, it was his idea, the whole idea of marriage. And he tells us how to live it. So I don't think you could ever be the husband you really want to be Ma'am, I don't think you could ever be the wife you really want to be. I don't think you could ever be the person you really want to be unless you know God in a personal way. And so I want to invite you, if you've never committed your life to Christ, I want to invite you to, with your mind and your heart, focus on the future and where you want to be and who you want to be in in this moment of transition in your life. And imagine a God who loves you so deeply he gave his only son for you. A God who promises to never leave you and never forsake you. A God who offers the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago to live inside you. A God who offers forgiveness of sin and eternal life. A God who offers to walk with you on the good days and the bad days. Man, I, I can't think of a single reason not to make that God my God and to invite Jesus into my life and accept the free gift of eternal life. So if you'd like to do that today, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can bow your head, close your eyes, and just express to God in this prayer that you want him to be your Lord and to forgive your sins. Just pray with me, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life, forgive my sin, and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.